Welcome to the Worship Leader Essentials Podcast brought to you by Worship Catalyst. We are here to help leaders learn how to do more with less. For more information or engage with us, please visit worshipcatalyst.com. We're so glad you're here today. Let's learn together. Hey, Austin Ryan here for another episode of the Worship Leader Essentials Podcast. And um, man, just so thankful to have the opportunity to come and talk a little bit about worship. I just love it. And uh, just been having a lot of conversations about various things and various aspects of worship with uh, pastors and worship leaders over the last few weeks. And um, man, just excited to be able to talk about them on these podcasts here. And so, um, you know, we have backed the uh, podcast uh, up to two times a month for you. And um, the reason is because we want to have the time to produce really great content that is helpful for you. And um, also because we are involved in a lot of other things, you know, we are uh, uh, increasing our international uh, work, trying to train worship leaders and pastors in other countries. And we've got Worship Leader Essentials. Uh, You can go to worshipleaderessentials.com and check that out. Uh, If you're interested in some mentoring and you're, you know, as a worship leader or pastor and worship leader together, and uh, you know, we're, uh, constantly have got training opportunities and things like that that we're doing online. And so we have a lot going on as well as opening new hubs around the country so we can serve as many churches as we possibly can. And so uh, so anyway, in this podcast, though, a lot of the things that we learn as we do the things we do, we want to have a place where we can pass them on to you. Uh, we think that's very important. And so that's what this is all about. And so I'm excited that today it's going to be just me yeah, Austin Ryan only. Uh, I think it's the first time we've ever done this, but only me on the podcast. And I'm going to be answering a couple of questions from uh, from worship leaders that I've gotten very recently, like in the last month. And uh, these have been some great conversations. And the first one is, do you ever just give your team a break on Sunday? And this is from a worship leader in Tucson, Arizona. And uh, you know they were considering having a week of just kind of stripping things back. And uh, wondered if it was okay to just say, hey, everybody, you have the day off. And, you know, uh, I've got some reasons why I think that's a good idea. I've got three, uh, at least here, that we'll be talking about. But before we do, um, the first kind of barrier to get over on that is to make sure that the pastor and you are on the same page. Uh, We've had uh, worship leaders before who had this great vision of having guitar, cajon, you know, bass or whatever, keys and strings and stuff. And you just kind of do a set like that. Uh, But the pastor was like wanting the full band, you know, and so they weren't on the same page. And so before anything I talk about uh, here, the first thing is to make sure that that the pastor and the worship leader, you guys are on the same page. And so uh, go with that. But uh, I think it's a good idea to take a break from what you normally do and give people a week off. So let me, let me just give you three reasons why I think that's a good idea sometimes. Number one is it gives people a break, especially if you're in the kind of church and, uh, where you don't have a real deep bench, you know, and you've got like one drummer and one guitar player and you've got three singers and one keyboard player or something like that, or maybe less. And so they're literally playing every single week. Well, it is really good to give them a break. And for maybe you as the leader, if you're the leader, 
or whoever can can do that by themselves or maybe with one other person, just to have a different kind of week where two or three of your team members or four or five or all of them get a chance to just sit down and, uh, and enjoy uh, worshiping God without playing music. And I know sometimes uh, instrumentalists or singers, they're like, oh, but I'd rather be on stage. I'd rather be uh, up there, you know? But it's good for, for instrumentalists and for singers and all worship leaders of all kinds to just sometimes sit out and receive and, and be a worshiper in the audience. I think it helps your perspective and it helps them to get a better idea of what the congregation is going through uh, during the worship experiences at your church. Uh, so, uh, so giving people a break is a good idea. Now, if you're in a situation where people are already on rotation, you know, you've got two or three drummers, two or three guitar players, and you kind of have a rotation going anyway, Here's what I don't think is super healthy. I don't think it's necessarily good kingdom-wise for somebody to only play once a month. I mean, if they're a good drummer and uh, they're like willing to serve God with that gift and you only have them playing once a month, I think that they should take another week or two in the month and go play at another church. Just make themselves available. And if you're the worship leader or pastor and you're listening to this and maybe, maybe you could create opportunity uh, for them, might find out some other churches. You know, hey, do you have a drummer? Do you need some help? Does anybody need a, a breather? Uh, we have a guy that or a girl that can play, and we'd love once a month uh, to to send one over your way if you need them. So anyway, I think that's a good idea. Play somewhere else. We, you know, I think man, God has given a gift to be used more than one out of thirty days. So uh, so use it more than that. So anyway, it's good to give them a break. That's the first reason. Yes. Uh, Give your people a break because it's good to have a break and to get the perspective from the congregation. Number two reason I think it's good to go ahead and have acoustic weeks and to give your team a break is because change is good. You know, it refocuses the congregation on something different. You know, change is the key to people focusing. I, you know this. Let me tell you how you know this. Because when you're driving somewhere where you've driven a million times, let's say you're going from your house to where you work or school or whatever it is, and you've been there a million times, sometimes you can get into that parking lot and you don't even remember driving there. You just went. You just got in your car and you left and you don't even remember the drive. You don't remember turning or stopping at the red lights or anything. You just got there. And the reason is because the way God made our brains is that when we do the same thing over and over again or we see the same thing over and over again, we quit paying attention to it. Uh, we don't have to use that many brain cells and that, uh, that many neurons don't have to be engaged for us to do something that we've done a million times. So change, though, when we see something different or experience something different, then all of a sudden we pay more attention to it. It seems important. It seems like something we should focus on. And there's a lot more neuroscience uh, behind this that we don't have to get into here, but just here's the thing. Uh, the second reason that we want to give people a break and change it up and do different kinds of music sets and, and acoustic and things like that is because change is good. It helps people in the congregation refocus on what it is that we're doing. And the third reason is that the congregation needs to not just rely on the same leadership and the same leadership structure every single week. You know, I think that this is something that we have gotten into as churches in general, especially in the United States and in the West, is having 
like the same kind of thing every week. We got this, we got a drummer every week. We got a guitar player every week. We got a keyboard every week. We've got, or, or we've got tracks every week or whatever it is that you play with. And the problem is that that what sometimes leads to is the congregation might say things like, you know, I worship better when this person is leading worship, or I worship better with this music style, or I worship better with this particular band, or I worship better when there's this concert, or I worship better on Sunday mornings at church than I do, you know, throughout the week or driving in my car or at home or whatever it might be. And what we kind of you know, propagate on that, or we help to sustain on that as this idea that, hey, the best way to worship is when you have five people on stage or six people on stage or whatever it is, and these particular instruments playing this particular style. But it's really healthy for a congregation or for just a worshiper in the congregation to learn how to worship God with just an acoustic guitar and a vocalist, or how to worship God fully when there's a full band, or when there's a keyboardist only, or when there's keyboard and cajon and guitar, whatever the combinations might be. So so here's what I would say. I would give the band a break. And I would do that because, you know, having a break and being in the congregation is good because change is good. And because the congregation needs to rely on uh, a different leader, it just doesn't rely on the same leadership, but different leadership. And I would even go so far as to say, schedule it in. So do a two or three month schedule for those of you that are, that are scheduling your team out and just do acoustic week every third or fourth week or something like that. And, you know, maybe one week you've got a full band and the next week you've got a cajon and acoustic. The next week you've got keyboard and, you know, something else. And just kind of like have people, when they show up to church, they don't know what's going to happen musically, but they know it's going to be good. And they know they're going to have an opportunity to connect with Jesus. I promise if, if you do this and get into the habit and the, and the consistency of, of transition and change and, you know, doing different things on different weeks, it will help the congregation over time to worship God better. It'll teach them that it's not just about the style, but it's about Jesus and, uh, and our heart's connection to him and worship. All right. So that's, uh, that's the first question. That was a really good question. Do you ever just give your team a break on Sunday? So. The other one I want to address is how do you address energy? All right. Now, uh, <laughs> this is uh, from a worship leader in, uh, in uh, Texas, in Austin, uh, Central Texas. And so uh, he was asking this because uh, he was just noticing that his band, I don't know about yours and his singers, not necessarily a thousand percent bought in looking to what's going on on Sundays, you know? And so... <laughs> you know, not exactly smiling or energetic, very still, maybe not uh, selling the idea that they actually believe the things that they're saying. And let me tell you a quick story about that before I have a few things that I think might be helpful. But I went to do an evaluation of a church uh, in Nevada uh, one time. And, you know, I was just watching the service and I was taking some notes. And when it was over, the worship leader and the pastor, they asked me to lunch and they said, okay, lay it all out. Tell us everything, you know, good, bad, and the ugly. And so I told them a lot of things. And then I said to the worship leader, I said, tell me about the people on your team, the musicians and singers. And so he came and gave me a little bit of rundown. And I said, are they, are they Christians? And he's like, yeah, they, all of them, you know? And I was like, you know, I do not, I was not convinced that they believed the things that they were saying. In fact, it was one of the least engaged groups of people I've ever seen lead worship before. And so that kind of was shocking to him. And, uh, you know, we finished our conversation. And then a few weeks later, they had me back to preach uh, a sermon in that same church. So I walk in and 
the music starts and I'm telling you, the band is a completely different, I mean, it's the same people, but they are completely different. I mean, they're moving around and they're smiling and they're not looking at their music and they're just like really leading us in worship and, 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 and showing us that this matters to them. It was amazing. It was like night and day. And when it was over, I asked the worship leader, I was like, what in the world happened to these people? And he said, you know, I went and told them what you said about looking dead and all that kind of stuff. And we, and I asked him what the problem was. And for them, the problem was they didn't know the music well enough. Like we were introducing a lot of songs and all. And so they just didn't feel comfortable playing them. None of them were professional musicians or anything. So we made a decision that we would pick five songs and we would do those same five songs for six weeks in a row at church. And I had never heard of that strategy before, but let me tell you what came out of it. Number one, the band got really, really confident with that music. So one of the problems they were having, they just didn't know the songs that well. And not only did they get confident with the music, they also felt so confident with the music that they actually looked up. They never, there was no music on stage. They looked up and they looked in the crowd and they felt like they could move around and be themselves a little bit more um, because they weren't just focused on getting the song right. And then the congregation was really dialed into the songs because they knew the songs finally very well. In fact, you know, about the time a worship leader and band get sick and tired of a song is about when the congregation really starts to get it for the first time. So don't forget that. But it was a really great experience. Now, I'm not suggesting everybody go pick five songs and do the same ones for the next six weeks. What I am suggesting is that that was a strategy. That was something that he did to fix it. And so they really shortened down their song list in their church and they really, their practices went longer and their repetition of songs was more um, robust and and all those things. And so I want to just kind of say that as an example. Now, what do you need to do? That's one example. I love that. I love that story. I think that's something that you can maybe take pieces of, but also I would just say, don't be afraid to talk about it. On a previous podcast, we had a girl named Karen on there that I interviewed, and she had a whole night focused on on stage presence. She was she was not afraid with her team to talk about uh, stage presence, and so she invited everybody and you know fed them pizza or whatever it was. And um, here's what they did: they first of all watched some worship fail videos. <laughs> you know, <laughs> those are easy to find online. And they all just got to laughing and relaxed and having a good time and, and uh, you know, watching the, that drummer on Ocean's uh, song or, you know, people falling off the stage or, uh, you know, completely playing in different keys or whatever it might be and just having a really good time. And then she just talked about it for a while. And, you know, she just said, look, guys, we need to liven this up. And there's some reasons why, like we need to when we don't look like we care, people assume we don't care about Jesus. You know, she's taught that for a while. And she said, people are looking at us to see how important this Jesus guy is. You know, they're looking at the people on stage and they're looking at, you know, how we are reacting. And if it's just us performing music, I don't know that they're going to be convinced that he's worth our lives. And then they played some really familiar songs after kind of talking about it. And they had people get bigger than they ever had before. You know, like, get out of your comfort zone, move around, uh, walk around, move your head, move your body, um, get like, get out of the little tiny box that you're, unless you're a keyboard player or a drummer, you need to kind of stay close to the box. But uh, if you're a singer or a guitar player, like move around, you know, and and, uh, use your face and smile, like over smile to where you just feel stupid and all this kind of stuff. And it's interesting. Uh, and then they talked about it, right? They talked about how they felt and all that. And she, you know, people would say, oh, I just felt like an idiot. I felt like I was completely out of, you know, out of control and making a fool of myself and all this kind of stuff. And what's interesting is 
what she learned is that right about the time that people started feeling outside their comfort zone and feeling like they were being showy, they actually started looking like worship mattered to them. So it's a good thing. Like have a night where you bring people up and follow a pattern like that and just talk about it. Like make sure you're not afraid to talk about it and to practice uh, the physical expressions of worship. Practice raising hands. Practice, you know, getting on your knees. Practice moving around. Practice smiling and uh, see what God does. A few real practical things here also to kind of add on to that. One of them is to film people. Now, I had a singer one. Uh, I've had several like this, but I'm just thinking of one right now that was, um, you know, just this fantastic person and he was on our team and just a uh, good good singer and contributor to the team. And uh, But had a facial expression and a lot of people are like this where their facial expression just looks pain, like, like there's pain, like something hurts, like somebody just stabbed you in the in the gut while you're singing worship songs or something like that. And so I <laughs> uh, had a conversation. Hey, I just want you to, um, I want to talk about this. So we talked about it a little bit. And so I said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to film you. And I was, and um, one of these Sundays, I'm not going to tell you when, and I'm going to give it to you. So that's what we did. We picked a Sunday and I just had somebody with a camera in the back, just zoomed in, just stayed focused on him the whole service. And he took the tape home and uh, he watched it and he, uh, man, he was uh, overwhelmed at looking at himself and he immediately reached out and he's like, oh my gosh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, let, let me work on that. So he started practicing singing and looking in the mirror and he spent hours doing that. Like every song, every week, looking in the mirror, watching himself sing, making sure that he had a, 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 a more uh, happy look on his face than one where he got stabbed in the stomach. So that was a really important and helpful thing for him. And, uh, and, and I think that for us as leaders, those are the kinds of steps that we can take uh, to make a difference. And that might be helpful. That might be helpful for you. Another thing is if you're a worship leader, model it. Like you get moving. Don't be a statue right there. Don't have your facial expression be down. Don't look at your music and stare at it. Don't, you know, don't be that, that, that guy that people look at and they go, well, he's just singing songs. He's not really connecting to Jesus and he's not connecting us to Jesus in the congregation. Like it's so important that we focus as worship leaders on modeling the things that we want our band and our other singers to do. So that's really important. Now, um, one of the things that we have to do is help people find their own way of expressing that. Because, you know, a lot. I've talked to a lot of people about this and a lot of times they're like, man, I just feel like I'm putting on a show when I do that. You know, I just feel like if I, you know, if I move this way or I you know, I raise this or whatever it might be, then I'm going to, that I'm just act, I'm acting some way. I don't really, like, it just doesn't feel like me. And so at that point, I just have to say to them, look, we're going to need to find your own way of expressing this over time. That doesn't feel weird. It might feel weird the first time or it might feel weird the first 20 times. But here's the thing as worship leaders, which we all are on stage, we have to always remember that we're on stage. Like, we didn't sign up and audition and make the team so that we could sit on the 12th row in the crowd and worship God. We, we're up here. And so we have to always remember that we're on stage, but we also always have to, we have to always forget that we're on stage. And I know that those are two things are maybe obviously opposite, but the thing is we have to lead people towards God and worship. And part of that is using our bodies and using our faces, or we're not worship leaders. We're just lead singers. We're just singers or players. 
But at the same time, we need to not get so infatuated with the idea of being on stage that it changes who we are. So it's not okay to stand still and be a statue. That's not being a leader. That's being just, you know, that's just singing, singing songs, playing songs. So we got to find our own voice, our own way of expressing that. Okay, probably beat that to death. All right, one last thing I want to say is if people are really still and really non-expressive, there's probably something behind it. And it's good to figure out what that is. And a lot of times that's insecurity, you know, they just don't feel, they just don't feel comfortable. They're very, you know, very self-conscious and all that and moving around would just draw attention to myself. And that's the last thing I want. And so, you know, they kind of put that bubble around themselves. Nobody can see me if I get really still. And so we might need to get to the root of the insecurity. What's causing the insecurity? What's causing the self-consciousness? And let's see if God might start to bring that person out of their shell and get more confident. Another is the way that they were brought up. You know, maybe they were brought up in a church where it was, I know, like, I know that in the church I grew up in, nobody ever raised their hands or had any kind of, you know, physical worship expression ever, 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 you know? And maybe that's the church that you or somebody else on your team grew up in. And so getting out of that, that practice or that history may be a little bit difficult. It could be that somebody had a bad experience. You know, maybe they were told at one point that they were being too showy. And so they backed everything way off. And in any of those things, you know, whatever it might be, I just, as, a, as leaders, as team members, we just need to start talking about those things. You know, let's be out in the open. Look, guys, we need to be more expressive. We're not just lead singers. We're not just band players. We're not just like performing tunes in a corner. We are actually leading people towards Jesus and worship. And singing songs by itself is not being a worship leader. Playing songs by itself is not being a worship leader. There is a facial and a physical and a spiritual, and all these things play in to us being uh, the worship leaders God intended for us to be. So anyway, all of those things are important. I uh, hope that it's been helpful for you today on this podcast. And uh, if it has, be sure and subscribe. Also check out all of our other social media Uh, things that we have going on, uh, like our 60 Seconds on Worship that releases on Instagram every week, and uh, also the things that we have at worshipcatalyst.com for you as resources. So anyway, God bless you. Have a fantastic week, and uh, we'll talk to you next time.